Over the past couple of months, uh, we've definitely been talking about the theme of thrive, yeah? And thrive is a very uh, emotive word. I think everyone sort of gets a picture in their head when they hear that word thrive, or I do anyway. Um, but the picture I get is this. Uh, anyone who's of my age, I don't know, look, I don't even know if thrive is still around, but we're not, is it? There you go. That shows you how much I garden. Not at all. When I was growing up, my dad uh, used to have like a little shed out in the backyard that had all of it, like had the lawnmower and had all that sort of stuff, and it was full to the brim with this stuff. Thrive, powder, he used to put it in like a little globy thing that he'd spray on his tomatoes and everything like that. So when I hear the word thrive, I think of plants more than I think of anything else. What I'm talking about today is thriving in the desert. Seems like a weird concept, yeah? Thriving in a desert, more like surviving in a desert or dying in a desert. <clears throat> Not so much about thriving in the desert. As Australians, which we all are of some description, we've got a fairly keen insight into drought. We've got a fairly keen insight into deserts, what a desert is, yeah? So if I was to say to you, do you think desert or living in a desert is a negative word? Does it have a negative connotation, desert, or does it have a positive connotation, desert, the word desert? Negative? Yeah, it's pretty overwhelming that uh, we would think you wouldn't get it, want to get stuck in the desert, you wouldn't want to have your car run out of petrol. It's a negative word. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, um, I think we need to change our mindset a bit and thrive in the desert. So... I was actually going to speak, this is just a bit of an insight into my process, I was actually going to speak about something else uh, this, uh, this Sunday. I was going to speak about worship and stuff like that because I know a bit about that. And um, I had stuff planned out in my head uh, and then about two weeks ago I felt God say to speak about what I was going through at that time uh, because I was, recent, I was going through an experience that I would class as a desert experience. Now, I wasn't feeling far from God and what he wanted me to do, but I had an experience that left me feeling hollow and questioning thoughts that I had held about myself and my abilities. So I think sometimes when we talk about being in the desert, we see it as being a million miles away from God, or we see it as oh, I'm stuck in a hole and there's no one who can help me get out. And I think sometimes desert experiences for Christians and for non-Christians alike, it can simply be if you're questioning yourself or if you're dealing with something that someone said and you're just having to process through that and it, it rocks your world as far as what you, you hold your worth in. So as Christians, we shouldn't be scared of the desert because God's there. When Moses led the Israelites into the wilderness, God was with them. So Exodus 13.21 says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire. He was always there. He was there in the desert with them. Even when they were made to roam for the 40 years, did God go, well, you guys go off. I'll stay here and wait until you, that generation's died out. And then when you come back, then we'll go into the promised land. Did he do that? What did he do? He went with them. He exiled the Israelites and exiled himself and went with them. 
Or here's a, a great quote as far as the Jews see Moses. I don't know if anyone's read that. No? It's good, isn't it? Yeah. He took us 40 years through the desert in order to bring us to the one spot in the Middle East where there's no oil. <clears throat> so, look, I'm not saying that I'm a biblical expert, far from it, and uh, especially on surviving dry periods and, uh, and desert times, but what I can do is I can share some of the stuff that resonates with me and that's helped me through. When I made this decision, or really when this decision was made for me about what I was going to speak about today, the uh, first thing you do, obviously, is you go to the Bible, you read through Scripture that's appropriate to whatever it is you're talking about and stuff like that. But once I do that, in my process, I turn to the other great G word that's in our life, if not God, Google. And I typed in thriving in the desert in Google just to see if anything would pop up. Now, it's a standard process for me when I prepare for speaking because I like to get what other people have said about what I'm going to speak about so that I can get an understanding of how people approach it. I don't like to say what other people have said, so I like to find out what other people have said so that I make sure they don't say the same thing. So what I found when I typed in Thriving in the Desert was a world that we don't see too often in the physical. I, myself, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people out there, I'm a big believer that God teaches stuff spiritually through those things in the physical world. That, uh, that there is uh, things that happen or things that, are, um, that have been created that give us a good idea of how it is that God wants us to go about our spiritual walk. So, with that in mind, and with the help of our Lord's amazing creations, we're going to talk about thriving with the desert, in the desert. And I've sort of split it up into a couple of different points. Uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is Hydration. And uh, what I'm going to use to illustrate hydration is this dude. Isn't he cute? Not at all. It's an ugly frog. So this frog, not personally, but this kind of frog is called the water-carrying frog. It lives in Australia, in the deserts, and it stores water. And it... Even uh, to the point where it's, its feet, you know how frogs have the little suction cuppy feet when you see them on the window and stuff like that, they can climb and stuff? It doesn't have those. It has these hard little pads like shovels so that it can dig in the earth. And it, it and this is disgusting, but it sheds its own skin to form a cocoon to hold it safe in the dry, se dry season, waiting for the next rains while it's filled up with water. Just as an aside, oh, you better believe it. Just, just as an aside, I love, uh, this is the thing I love about the animal kingdom, right? And the theory of evolution. Here is a frog living in the desert. So it's either dumb enough to go, I'm going to wait for millions and millions of different generations of my family to work out how to store water and how to bury something, or wouldn't it just go, it's hot here, I'm going to move. Anyhow, so just, I, I'm embracing the tangent. The amazing thing is, when I typed in thriving in the desert, one of the presentations was about 15 animals that thrive in the desert, right? Thrive. Don't survive, thrive in the desert. Three of them were frogs. I mean, that's just exactly right. 
Exactly right. So, good old frog. So one of the keys to thriving in the desert is water. It's a no-brainer, yeah? Even cactuses or cacti need an occasional drink. And water conservation is paramount. Uh, you want to make sure you're spending water on the right things. Because in the desert, water is scarce. So in Scripture, water, standardly, is a metaphor for Jesus filling us with the Holy Spirit. Yes? So Holy Spirit, while in this world, the Holy Spirit's never scarce. He's always with us. People who live in submission to his power are. Yes? So, let's get scriptural. Jesus answered everyone, and this is talking about the water, obviously. John 4, 13, 14. And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's from the NIV, or normally incorrect version. Starting the day hydrated. Starting the day hydrated. Is important. There's no point being out in the desert and thinking, oh, I need to take a drink now. You need to be hydrated. So starting the day hydrated, just like starting the day with the Holy Spirit's infilling, is crucial when you labour in the heat. I work in the city, so it's a decent train trip. So I make sure the first part of my train trip, when I sit my bum down on a seat, which thankfully I get to do because I get on a packy, every morning is to read my Bible and to pray for the day ahead. It might be different for you know, other people, obviously. You don't have the luxury of an hour and a half train trip like I do. Uh, but I know people who will set their alarm 15 minutes early or 20 minutes early and just get up and spend some quiet time with God. Just getting ready for the day ahead. Yeah? It's no point uh, getting your feet put to the fire and you've got nothing in you. It's also important to keep hydrated throughout the day. As everyone well knows, you can't just drink six litres of water on the way to work and then expect to function at your best. Although there could be some interesting stops on a one and a half hour train trip. You have to keep drinking all day long. In life, there are physical deserts and there are spiritual deserts. For you to thrive in circumstances which feel like a spiritual desert, it's not enough to have a morning quiet time. When I find myself feeling uh, like I dwell in a dry and weary place and I need to be in conversation with Jesus, I'll whack my headphones in and I've got like David Crowder and stuff loaded up on my phone and I'll stick my headphones in and I'll listen to that all day while I work. That doesn't work for everyone. Because not everyone has a job where you can stick your headphones in while you type away at a computer. So it might be something else. You might go for a walk. You might take the dog for a walk if you're at home. Play with your kids. Actually, anyone have any, any, any things that they do? Because... It's not just about me standing up here talking. It's about everyone being engaged. Anyone? Yes? Pray in the toilet. Is that, oh, God, get me out of the toilet? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cool. Anyone else? Don't all speak at once. No? No? Yes, Dave, go. Go for a run and a pray. Um, this is one of the values of being in community, guys, just so you know, is that Everyone deals with stuff a different way. And you might be struggling with trying to work out how the heck do I apply that to my life? 
It's by listening to everyone else that's here who is uh, brave enough to say something that you might get an idea for what it is that might work for you. Yeah? So, you know, here we were talking before about the frog, and uh, yeah, look at him. Doesn't that make you want to just get a golf club and just. He's awesome. So, but in saying that, look, it's all very well to be full and not be able to move very fast by the looks of things. Uh, but we also need to move it around us to course. So let's have a look at another animal that's not a frog. Oh, fennec fox. Yeah, cute. He's got huge ears, massive, massive ears like Adam Gilchrist. So what's the cool thing about the fox? Well, why does he have big ears? Is there anyone who has a guess? The better to hear you. Yeah, exactly right. Keep him cool. Exactly right. Although, how you look cool with big ears. <laughs> so... The circulatory system of a fennec fox allows it to pump more blood through its ears. Large surface cools down the body. Yes? You're a pretty cool little beastie. So how does that apply to us? So when we're full of the Holy Spirit and that infilling in us, we need to move it around us. We need to recite it, repeat it. If there's stuff that resonates with what you've heard on a Sunday, mull it over, chew it over in your brain. Don't just go, oh, that was nice. Or, oh, I've done my Bible reading this morning in 15 minutes, now I can get on with the rest of my day. It's circulating it through your body. Seeing how it applies. Um, the circulating that refreshment is what keeps us cool through the hottest of times. One of the other great things is go and have a coffee with your friends and have a chat about it. You know, like we said before, there's value in other people's ideas. Have a chat, have a talk. What did you think this meant to you? What did this mean to me? The other thing too is it also matters what we drink. So if you go down to the desert, are you going to pack a crate of water or a crate of Coke? Yeah, <laughs> and then you're going to die. <laughs> we should always pay attention to what it is that we use to quench our thirst, whether that be physical or spiritual. Yes? Uh, the picture of Jesus being our living water is very important when we find ourselves living in a spiritual wasteland. Jesus needs to be the source of our strength, not retail therapy or Collingwood. Nice sledge. Nice sledge. Can't, uh, I can't say anything. Yeah, that's out of line. Go Hawks. How dare you? I'm a Swans fan. We got crucified last night. Yeah. Yeah, and my wife supports Hawthorne. Anyhow, I digress. Yeah, find our hydration in Jesus, not in retail therapy or what football team we support or drinking or Facebook or some other form of escapism that, that um, rears its head that we like to get onto. Yes, there is hydration. The next one, habitation. Extra points for anyone who can guess where that picture comes from. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh, the album cover from Diesel and Dust. Habitation. Who wants to live in a desert? 
This cool looking thing is called an Onyx, 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 O-N-Y-X, Onyx. They're out at Werribee. As with the frogs, this thing is in thriving in the desert as well. Also, again, counterintuitive. Why would a large mammal want to hang out in a super hot place? You would think deserts, when you think desert, you think desert animals, you think like lizards and snakes and all like little sort of stuff, not giant big animals like this thing. Specifically built for the desert, it's white because white reflects the sun, but it has black legs because black, black. So at night when it's freezing cold, and it's laid on its legs, it's warm, and when it gets up and wanders around during the day, it's cool. Another big animal that lives in the desert, everyone should know, is a... Hey, camel. My wife loves camels. I hate the stinking things. <clears throat> Camel. So, habitation. We talked before about, or I talked before about forms of escapism that we, uh, that we aim for instead of Jesus. Well, escapism itself or the desire to escape is actually counterproductive to thriving in the desert. Ironically, to fully function for the entire day, it's important to never let yourself totally cool down. So when I uh, was younger than I am now and attending high school, uh, we lived in the mid-north coast of New South Wales where there are amazing beaches. We would spend a lot of time at the beach. And uh, I don't probably have to tell any of you, but middle of summer on the beach, the heat is like a hammer. It is super, super hot. Especially mid-north coast because you've got humidity added into that. It's terrible. And the, last thing, the first thing you want to do is run off the beach after a couple of, uh, couple of minutes and your feet are all burnt and all that sort of stuff. However, what we soon learnt was if we went from the beach and then we went into the air conditioning in the surf club and we went back out into the beach and then we went into the air conditioning in the surf club and went back out, you get a massive headache. Your body's trying to cope with the... You can't cope with the... Oh, oh, I can't manage between the two different heat sources. What we found was easy was... Sitting on the beach and it's really, really hot, you want to stop and you want to have a drink or you want to have something for lunch, just go sit in the shade. You're still outside, still coping with some of that heat. But you're shaded. You take your time, have something to eat, and then go out and play cricket or go for a surf or do whatever. So applying that spiritually. Where you wish God would provide a refreshing break in the midst of the fire... But if it's God's will for you to come out the other end triumphant, frequent cool breaks within that might make the heat of your trials stronger. If you're saying, Lord, give me a break, Lord, give me a break, Lord, give me a break, but he wants you to go through it, to get to the end, having a break and then coming back to it, it might just be harder. Maybe the best way to survive and thrive through an experience that, uh, through that sort of an experience God wants you to learn that staying in that place until he releases you is a lot better than going into the surf club and out of the surf club and into the surf club and out of the surf club. Yes? Point three. Whoa, we've gone too far. Perspiration. So we've had hydration, habitation, Perspiration, sense of theme. Makes it real easy to remember stuff. 
<laughs> Perspiration or sweat. Isn't he cute? Sweat. <laughs> Sweet. Isn't he cute? That's a desert cat from North Africa. So cute that if you hugged it, it would be like hugging a uh, wood chipper. They're pretty ferocious little things, even though they look like a house cat. Interesting thing about cats, or an interesting thing about animals in general, most animals don't have sweat glands, apart from humans. Dogs have sweat glands. I asked my wife this the other day, and she knew. Dogs have sweat glands on their tongues. tongues. Exactly right. Cats not only have sweat glands on their tongues, but they also have them on their paws. I'm not a cat person, so I didn't know that. Anyone know that? You should be ashamed of yourself. <clears throat> One of the most important lessons you can learn in the desert is it's okay to sweat. Sweating is actually a symptom that you're hydrated and it keeps your body cool. You're not hydrated, you ain't got anything to sweat. Um, the interesting thing, who thinks that you get cool when you sweat by the sweat drying on you, like it's water and it's on your skin and it dries you out? Yeah? Or is it when it evaporates then? So the body's built that it's when it evaporates. Any process, any process that um, in your body that makes you get rid of something makes you cooler. It's just in the, the actual physiological way that it works. You're sweating. What was the list that you went through yesterday? Vomiting. Going to the toilet. All that sort of stuff makes you cooler. Physiologically, like not even, it's just the way that the body works. So we think about how our physical bodies are built to maintain the heat through that, and there's a strong spiritual metaphor for that. We need to remember that people survived extreme heat before the invention of air conditioning. <clears throat> so, when trying to survive a spiritual desert, it's important that we understand we need to be gentler on ourselves. It's okay to sweat. Maybe we'll sweat in the middle of a spiritual desert, but those perceived inadequacies might serve a higher purpose. Because when we don't look our best, Jesus is at his best. Yes? And through that, it becomes more evident to a hurting world. Less of us, more of him. It's okay to sweat. So, next trivia question. Biggest desert in the world. What's the biggest desert in the world? Incorrect. Third biggest desert in the world is the Sahara. Sam got it right. Antarctica is the biggest desert in the world. How ironic is that? Water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink, but lots of penguins. <clears throat> Antarctica is the biggest desert in the world. And the penguins lead me to the next point, which is congregation or community. Has everyone heard the story about emperor penguins and why they do this sort of thing? Happy, well, yeah, everyone's saying happy feet. The most amazing thing about it is that they turn. They all turn. Wherever the wind's facing, they turn. And they continue to turn so that everyone gets a chance at the front and everyone gets a chance in the middle and everyone gets a chance at the back. Race hate through. Community is very, very important. 
So we're not talking about ice and snow, though. Let's talk about the desert and community in the desert. And you think, uh, well, the thing that I think of in community in the desert is... Meerkats. Or someone, some, some of us may know them like this. <laughs> uh, so, meerkats. Meerkats are really, really cool. Um, they live together as a family group. They have all their aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters. And, they, and everyone has a task. Everyone has something that they do. There's plenty of tasks. Everyone has, they look after the kids. They gather the food. They look, for the, look out for lines. But they all rotate in those tasks. So Barry on the left there may be crap at looking for lines, but he'll still get a chance to look for lines. Just that when Barry's looking for lines, Ralph, who's on the right, will be with Barry. Just making sure that he's not Steve. <laughs> Just so they do look a bit like minions. Um, so they're cool. Community is a major part of thriving in the desert. We're a community here. Yes? The camaraderie that's enjoyed by penguins and by meerkats is similar to the purpose of fellowship in a spiritual desert. We all need each other. As much as uh, sometimes we'd like to think that we have all the answers, I can pretty much guarantee that no one does. Here. Um, we are built to be in community, guys. Like we are. God gives us the ultimate illustration of community by being three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's community. We are called to be there for each other, to strengthen, to encourage, to carry. The thing about the, thing about the community is that you need to value those relationships that you have, those strong relationships with people. You need to value them early. It's hard making a strong and lasting relationship when you're in the middle of the desert. But those are the relationships that you lean into and that you rely on when you're in the desert. So I encourage you all, yeah? Um, it's such a strong thing. When we go through hard places, yeah, we need to value relationships early. It's, un it's usually too late to make deep friendships when you're in the midst of a trial. Fellowship is important to our survival. I've got two tips about community in the desert. The first one is do not desert. See what I did there? Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I went through all my old sermons while I was preparing this. I have a Monty Python picture in every single one of them. And I didn't have one in this until last night, and I went, no, I'm putting that in. Um, do not desert. When we find ourselves living in a dry place, we need to remember we need our Christian friends or family, and they need us. And reciprocally, they are in the desert. They need us. They need us to, to look for signs of spiritual dehydration. Which brings me to my second point about community in the desert. When we are looking for signs of spiritual dehydration, we must always bear in mind 
Well, one man's dessert is another man's desert. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so we need to be wise. Yes? We may see something that's easy to get through. We think, ah, oh, it's a breeze. And someone else really struggles with that. Yeah? Um, biblically, Romans 12.3, For by the grace given me, I say to you, or to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Never say the words, that should be easy. You'll be right. Words have weight, um, especially from those whose opinion you value. Uh, we need to be sure that what we speak comes from God and it's just not your standard pat answers of Christianese that you hear of. You'll be right. God will turn whatever you're going through for good. This happens for a reason. You know, all that stuff that you hear, we've been through, Ren and I have been through two kids being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. We've heard all of them. And it brings, us absolute, it brings absolutely no comfort whatsoever. What brings comfort is people bringing dinners around, asking if you're okay, taking you for a coffee, maybe taking care of your other kids while you're looking after them. Not... You know what? God's obviously got a plan. Words have weight. I love this. this is by a Brazilian author. Uh, of all the weapons of destruction that man could invent, the most terrible and the most powerful was the word. Daggers and spears left traces of blood. Arrows could be seen at a distance. Poisons were detected in the end and avoided, but the word manages to destroy without leaving clues. On the flip side of that, Mother Teresa, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are endless. Or if we want to get biblical about it, James 1.26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Words have weight. We need to, the words that come out of our mouths when we are supporting our brothers and sisters when they are in a time, a desert time, should be one of help. Uh, a friend of ours is very fond of saying, we need to be the cup of cold water. We need to be the helping hand. That's why we're called the community. Um, the other great thing about having your brothers and sisters around is that they can help you celebrate when the heat starts to lessen. And that's one of the big things too. It's celebrating the little things. Too often we get mired up in the, this is terrible and it's happening to me, and we don't look back at where we were. We're focused on how does that affect me in the future. And sometimes when you stop for a breath and you have a look back where you were a couple of months ago, it's like, you know what? We need to celebrate that. We've actually come so far from where we were and we've missed it. Celebration's an underrated thing. Any excuse for a party? <clears throat> um, 
rain as well, much more appreciated when you live in a desert region than in a tropical rainforest or after you've had a scorching hot uh, day as opposed to in the middle of the winter that we find ourselves in now. Um, When God takes us to a dry place, uh, one of the most important lessons that we need to learn uh, is the joy of anticipating the end. God wants us to learn to celebrate small victories like the lessening of heat. Which brings me to my next point, expectation. Hydration, habitation, perspiration, congregation, expectation. Faith. Yes, faith. God has not forgotten, which I'm pretty sure was last week's service. Is that right? God has not forgotten. Let's go to the animals again. Lo and behold, it's another frog. This one's a bit cuter. Um, so this frog, again, Australian, because um, we make the best stuff, obviously. Uh, he stores water as well, but this dude can hang out years underground until the rains come. He has faith that it's coming. He does not have weather channel to tell him when it's coming. He burrows himself into the ground on faith that the rains will come. Yes? God wants us to look with faith for refreshing, lasting rain. He wants us to lean into each other for support and wait with expectancy for the rain to fall. So Romans 1, 11, 12 says, I long to see you so that I might impart, you, uh, impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So because someone's holding out for something, and again, we're getting back to that strength of community. If someone's holding out for, uh, up for something and you know about it, that encourages you because you know that Ross is waiting out for something, and if Ross can wait out for something, then I can wait out for something as well. And then how much cooler is the celebration when it comes? Because everyone has supported everyone and knows about it. Yes? So, final point is, funnily enough, celebration. Most of all, God wants us to see that a spiritual desert can be a good place where we can experience his provision in our time of need. Beautiful things are grown in the desert. I mean, that's gorgeous. Or if you like an Australian feel. Deserts do purples well. Most of the shots are... Um, desert plants have been endowed by their creator with skills which allow them to bloom even in the harshest of climates. Most of their seeds have a protective shell which keeps them from germinating before the rainy season. In times of drought, these seeds can lay on a desert floor for years without deteriorating, patiently waiting the arrival of rain. Even thorns have a purpose. If cactus didn't have thorns, because what a cactus is full of. Then all the animals would eat them. 
So even cactus, even thorns on a desert plant play an important role in their conservation. So as we look at this metaphor, what we can see is that beautiful things grow in spiritual deserts as well. God is working to bring forth blooms and colour not possible in verdant lands. These plants, you don't see anywhere else but in the desert. And in fact, desert plants are the hardest thing to grow in a pot or to get from Bunnings or wherever it is. They don't sell them because they're in the desert. That's what they're used to. That's how they work. Um. He's provided all we need to thrive in the hard places. Um, the trick is that we mustn't go it alone. So as you said, we need him for hydration and we need each other for congregation. Uh, we are a blessed people if we find ourselves in hard places. Needing him. Uh, because then, and only then, we get to experience the beauty of his deserts. Amen?